Hello and welcome to Wake Up Take a Minute with Andrea Holman. I hope you are ready to have a wonderful time today learning about my ministry and others who are encouraging you to grow and show love. In a world of noise, it's hard to know who to listen to and who to tune out. Thank you for your bold choice today listening to Wake Up Take a Minute with me, your host, Andrea Holman. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on what time you're listening to me and where you are at in the world. I hope you're having a wonderful day, and I'm excited to share with you the topic we are going to discuss. So here today, I am on my fourth week of the overall topic, History's Greatest Moms. We have to just highlight a few because I can't cover them all, y'all. This week, I am going to focus on Indira Gandhi. Who was Indira? I'm glad you asked. She was India's first female prime minister. Her father was the first prime minister of India. What is it about Indira that drew me to her story? It's her sense of duty that becomes the focal point of her life that drew me into her story, which she passes on to future generations. And y'all don't want to miss this because some of the research I did, those who influenced her were pretty amazing. She went through many trying times growing up as a young girl in a political family. And I want to share some of that with you today because it shaped and influenced her life. And then she was able to pass that sense of duty on to her sons. And that is why I have called her out as one of my history's greatest moms. So let's learn a little about Indira Gandhi. As I mentioned before, she was India's first female prime minister. Although she was not the first woman prime minister, as Sri Lanka touts that achievement in 1960, she was India's first female prime minister, leaving a lasting impression on India long after her assassination. From 1917 to 1984, she worked to institute democracy and create jobs to combat food shortages. She was responsible for India's Green Revolution, which made the country self-sufficient and no longer reliant on imported grains. Education is a liberating force, and in our age, it is also a democratizing force, cutting across the barriers of caste and class, smoothing out inequalities imposed by birth and other circumstances, she famously stated. She also entrusted a sense of duty in her two sons, Rajiv and Sanji Gandhi, who both grew up to become politicians. Rajiv became Prime Minister of India after his mother was assassinated in 1984. When I started to look into her childhood, history as well, there were several things that struck me at the heart. Indira Gandhi was born Indira Nehru into a Kashmir Pandit family, November 19, 1917, in Allahabad. Her father, Jawaharlal Nehru, who was the leading figure in the movement for independence from British rule, and he became the first Prime Minister of the Dominion and later Republic of India. She was the only child. She at one time had a brother, although he passed away. She grew up with her mother, Kamala Nehru, at a large family estate. She had a lonely and unhappy childhood. Her mother was sick and died an early death of tuberculosis, and her father was often away, directing politics, involved in activities, or he was often incarcerated while her mother was frequently bedridden with illness. She had very limited contact with her father, mostly through letters, growing up. However, later, she did travel with him, where she experienced world peace talks as well as radical protest, where the seeds were planted and she became drawn to an activist life. 
So to me, I'm reading this story about this young girl whose mother dies from illness. She's lost her brother and her father is never around. So who is she left to? Who influences her? And how does she come across this full sense of duty that she passes on to her children? Well, I have several thoughts on this matter as I look at her life. And the first thought starts with the type of family that she's born into. Not the family that she's born into, but the type of family that she's born into. Although she is born into the first family of India, basically, because her father becomes the first prime minister of India. So it's a big responsibility all by itself. But let's discuss her heritage. She was born into a Kashmir Pandits family. The Kashmir Pandits are a group of Kashmir Hindus and a part of a larger community of India. They belong to the Kashmir Valley, a mountainous region that's located within the Indian administered Union Territory of Jammu and Kashmir. Kashmir Pandits originally lived in the Kashmir Valley before Muslim influence entered the region, following which large numbers converted to Islam. They are the only remaining Hindu community native to Kashmir. They began to leave in much greater numbers in the 1990s during the eruption of militancy following persecution and threats by radical Islamists and militants. The events of January 19, 1990 were particularly vicious. On that day, mosques issued declarations that the Kashmir Pandits were kafir, which honestly, I had to look this word up because I had no idea what it meant. I found multiple ways this term can be utilized in the language. However, in this instance specifically, they meant it as non-believers of Muslim religion. Along with the mosques issuing this declaration, the Kashmir Muslims were instructed to identify the Pandit homes so that they could systematically target them for conversion or killing. Any males who made the decision to leave were told they must leave their women behind. This community of people were persecuted for their religious beliefs and systematically were targeted to either convert, leave, or be killed. And this persecution within their community was not new. I believe that Indira's sense of duty given the history of her family heritage, drew from this. Also, if there is anyone listening to this podcast right now whom this word has been used in a derogatory standpoint towards you, I do apologize. I am specifically reading this to educate and to help outline the stigma of what the Kashmir Pandit generations have endured. Hey y'all, this is Andrea Holman. If you would like to learn more about me, my upcoming music releases, speaking events, songwriting, or podcast that's happening now, please go on over to my website at andreaholman.com or you can visit my Facebook at Official Andrea Holman. There you can get all the latest and greatest. To date, the Kashmir Pandit families are scattered to the regions, and there are multiple efforts underway in order to encourage the rehabilitation of the Kashmir migrants, and they have had a total of about 3,800 migrant candidates return to Kashmir in the last few years. This is coming from a publication of the orissadiary.com, and I know that that doesn't seem like a lot of people, but it has to start somewhere. They are actively working and engaging with the Kashmir Pandit community in order to reestablish them in their homeland. So this is the first thing that stands out to me about Indira is her family heritage and how that created the sense of duty in her. The next part I would like to bring forward is those around her who influenced her and set forth this idea of independence in her mind. 
If I look at her young life, I believe a lot of her independence drew from the fact that her mother was very ill during her time as a child. Her father was gone often. He traveled for political reasons, and sometimes he was actually incarcerated during her young childhood. So I think personally, she was forced into this role as being an independent young girl because she didn't have a choice. This is where an interesting turn of events happens for her. Her father is actually friends with a gentleman by the name of Muhatma. Gandhi. Mahatma was an Indian lawyer, an anti-colonial nationalist, and political ethicist who employed nonviolent resistance to lead the successful campaign for India's independence from British rule. And in turn, he inspired movements for civil rights and freedom across the world. I'd say this was a pretty influential person to know. He might actually end up being one of the only men who really, in her lifetime, treated her well and thought of her well. Indira shared his same last name, however, that was purely by coincidence because she married a man named Firoz Gandhi. There is an interesting tidbit about Indira's husband, I found. So Indira went to Oxford and so did her husband. Here's the weird thing. He had met her mother years before that and supposedly there was a love affair going on between the two of them and his aunt agreed to pay for his education just to get him away because he was so obsessed with the Nehru's. For him, when he met Indira, though, she was the daughter of his adored love. And he was as drawn to what she represented as much as he was to her. Ironically, it states in this research that I found that it would be her family and her life within it that would later become the source of his own emotional troubles. And I did not dig further into that, but just wanted to add that in there as well. So his aunt sends him to Oxford. Indira is at Oxford. And he ends up marrying the daughter of the woman that he is having a love affair with. Go figure. Now back to the main story. The honorific Mahatma first applied to him in 1914 in South Africa and is now used throughout the world. He was also known for the Khadi movement. Aimed to boycott foreign clothing, Mahatma began promoting the spinning of Khadi for rural self-employment and self-reliance instead of using cloth manufactured industrially in Britain. This happened in the 1920s. This actually made Kadi an integral part and an icon of the Swadeshi movement, which is the movement to buy Indian, was an integral part of Indian nationalism during India's fight for independence from British rule. So here Indira was just hanging out with a lawyer, a civil rights leader, an influencer, a man who worked for equal justice across all caste systems and helped drive and create economic independence so his country could gain freedom out from underneath British rule. Mahatma was a huge influence in her life and certainly helped create the sense of duty that drove her to become involved in politics and fight for what she wanted to change. As I look at her childhood, what she experienced, the time that she lived through, the things that were happening within her culture and to her country, the people in her life, they were creating and leaving legacies. And I believe this imprinted a sense of duty within her that she was able to execute later as she rose to power. Her father's legacy of being involved in politics, what he was fighting for and what he sacrificed and what she sacrificed during that time frame, not being able to be with him as well. I believe all left an unescapable sense of duty in her because she knew that there was something more out there that needed to be done, even though the people around her had worked so very hard to help India become independent and move forward as a country. She was going to continue that work. 
it seems like legacy for her was definitely a driver. I believe she was trying to make her father proud of her. Remember I told you earlier that she had a brother who had passed away. With such a spotlight put on who her family was and the expectations they had, this placed a heavy burden on her, I believe, in and of itself. In one reading, I actually found where it says, Indira seemed to have spent a large part of her life trying to prove to her father what a boy she was. Nehru must have been so obsessed with the idea of a son that his daughter felt the need to sign her letters as from your loving Hindu boy. Can you imagine having to live with that in your relationship with your father or someone who's supposed to love you no matter what? And yet she felt unaccepted. Their relationship was strained due to many factors, this being a major player in that. But I believe the need for legacy pushed her given the fact that her father and mother did lose their son. However, there were times in her life that she intentionally caused turmoil in their relationship. For her to go on and actually marry the man she did really upset her father as well because in one reading it states that her decision to marry him was also a rebellious assertion of will against her father. The man she was marrying as he was a boisterous, loud, and gregarious man opposite of the polished, cultivated father that she had. I'm sure at some point in her life she had to be like, you know what, I did the best I could. I sure wish he would have accepted me for who I was, his daughter, instead of making me feel like I had to be the son he lost as well. I believe this also helped her establish the grit and determination she needed to be able to survive in politics, as well as to survive in life no matter what it threw at her, the good and the bad. And it helped her gain the name Iron Lady later in life. Oddly enough, when it came to her two sons, she as a mother was blinded by love. No matter what her children did, she supported them throughout. Even when it was embarrassing or it affected her political career, which one of her sons definitely did. It's sad that in reality that her father, who was um, so intellectual and refined, even though their relationship was turmoilous, she ended up having men in her life who were very brash and aggressive and really took advantage of her love that she had for them. She was the Iron Lady of India. However, in her own life, I think she was pretty much walked on by most of the men that she chose to have a, an intimate relationship with. I think it's amazing that despite all the highs and lows in her life and all the complications she had, that she actually still was referred to as being India's most powerful prime minister. She was the Iron Lady of India. She systematically created opportunities for India to continue to become self-sufficient and independent, which impacted across caste systems and future generations to come. She is one of our greatest moms because the legacy she leaves and the sense of duty she instills not only to her children but for the next generations to come. Thank you for joining me today to learn a little bit about Indira Gandhi. Stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, be you because I'm taken. Hello, this is Andrea Holman. You're listening to Wake Up Take a Minute podcast. I wanted to share with you my mission today. My mission is to help others be authentic and grow to find their wake-up-take-a-minute moment and step out into their purpose. Remember, be you, I'm taken. This episode is sponsored by In His Hands Promotions and Ministries, helping others share their gifts and God's message of love. You can contact them at info.inhishands at gmail.com. But, but,